Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we'll answer on each podcast as we get our heart and mind on Jesus. All scriptures quoted are from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing. Today we're going to really get into the nitty gritty and talk about what happens when we die. Psalm 90 verse 10, which has been our launching point for the last few sermons, is also going to be relevant today. That's why I had picked it, one of my favorite songs from Moses. He says here in verse 10, our days may come to 70 or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. So something is going to happen after we have the length of our lives lived out. He says, Moses describes it as we fly away, which is why we sing that song, I'll fly away. Well, what does that really mean? Well, Hebrews 9.27 also says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, there we go. No uh, coming back from the dead, you know, not being reborn again as an animal or an insect or into somebody else's life. No, we die once and after that, we immediately face judgment. Well, how does that happen? Well, we'll see. Psalm 116 verse 15 views it from God's perspective. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. We see here that from God's end, death is something welcome, especially when it's the death of his faithful servants. He sees them. As his saints, they are precious to him. I cannot help but compare the concept of this verse to a parent, an aged parent, looking forward to the homecoming of a child who's been absent for a long time. Think about a son spending almost all his life abroad, returning to his aged mother for only a few brief visits during his time. And then when he suddenly returns permanently to go see his mother. She is quite old. They are able to spend a long, enjoyable day together and then retire. Then his mother passes. Her last day was one of the most enjoyable and pleasant days because she had waited for the long anticipated visit. See, death is a homecoming for Christians. We anticipate going to heaven and rightly so. But do we often stop to realize that also our Father in heaven is looking forward to our coming, that everything that has happened here and everything that Jesus went through was to precisely guarantee that homecoming for all who would put their faith in Jesus Christ, which is why the Bible says that Christians do not mourn like the world does because we know what's on the other side. Oftentimes people look at death as a tragedy and perhaps it can be when one's faith is not in Christ. But to understand that we look forward to that homecoming and God looks forward to it, we have to ask ourselves, where is the tragedy in that? So in order to give ourselves a proper perspective on this, 
and to understand what, what happens when we die. Let's first see what happened to Jesus when he died before he was resurrected on the third day. Jesus in Luke 23 verse 43 tells the thief on the cross who was destined to die with him on that day. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is a reflection of that verse that Peter quoted later in Acts chapter 2, 26 and 27, where he's saying here, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. In some other versions, that underlying phrase there is the grave, the realm of the dead, and you will not let your holy one see decay. We see that Jesus was not abandoned to the grave, to the realm of the dead, otherwise known as Hades or the abode of departed spirits. Jesus went to Hades. He was in paradise, but he had not gone to heaven yet. And we can see that reflected here in John 20, 17, because after he is raised from the dead, he tells Mary, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So immediately our question is, well, wait a minute, hold on. If Jesus died and he went to paradise, but then he tells Mary, I have not yet ascended to the Father who is in heaven. So where in the world was he? He wasn't in heaven. He was not abandoned to the grave. He was in paradise. Where is this paradise? And this is one of the most interesting aspects of what happens when we die. I shared with you Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31, some time ago concerning the rich man and Lazarus, where Jesus paints a picture. He gives us a glimpse into the other side, into a brief moment, into eternity. And he tells us of this state of, 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 of being. I can't call it a place because a place is material. I can't call it a time because it's outside of that. Jesus called it a state. Hades is a Greek word that is used here to describe the state in the Hebrew. The word shul was used, which is often translated as grave, but it is known as the abode of departed spirits or where all spirits go when they've shed their body. And Jesus described it as having two sides, if you will, uh, divided by a great fixed gulf. That, so nobody can cross over from one side to the other. Now, one of these sides is paradise. It's called paradise. And that's where Jesus went with the thief on the cross. That's where Lazarus, the poor man, was. And that's where Abraham was. And that's where everybody is who's put their hope in God. But on the other side is a place of torment known as Tartarus. And this is a place where if you have had any faith, you don't believe in God, you trust yourself, you've molded your life after the life of the world, so you've never put your hope in God, this is where you end up. So this Tartarus, let's talk about this Tartarus a little bit more because the scriptures give us some insight about Tartarus. In Jude, 
uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, talking about God, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So there is a place that's called darkness, called a dungeon. Uh, and they're bound there, these angels, with everlasting chains for a very special day, the great day called the day of judgment. Peter also describes this place, and I'm going to give you a heads up, it's a temporary place. Uh, he talks about it here in 2 Peter 2, 4 and 9. He says, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, and again, hell meaning Tartarus, that's really what's there in the Greek, Tartarus, not hell. Hell is something else, and hopefully by the end of this series, you'll, you'll understand that. He said, putting them in chains of darkness. Notice how he uses the same terminology that Jude used. To be held for judgment. So this place, Tartarus, seems to be like a prison. A gloomy, dark prison of suffering. Where mainly angels who sinned are kept. But also anybody else who has rejected the authority of God. Ends up in that place of, as well. Held there for punishment until the day of judgment. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20, he also talks about it a bit there, talking about how Christ died for sins uh, once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Uh, he was put to death in the body, made alive in the spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison who had disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. This, many have said, oh, this means that Jesus went to Tartarus. No, if you read the text correctly, it meant that it was Jesus' spirit in Noah who was preaching to those souls during the times of Noah, who right now happened to be where? In Tartarus. Why? Because they had disobeyed so long ago. So just to give you an idea uh, of what is going on and where this paradise is and this Tartarus, and what exactly happens when we die, I'm gonna use a series of diagrams to kind of walk you through some what, are the, what these verses are saying and others. I'm gonna be using a laser pointer. I know some of you have told me in the past that you don't really like, uh, this drives you a little nutty. I'm gonna try not to use it for too long, uh, but I think I'm gonna have to. So these are a series of diagrams that I had, my wife I think had prepared many years ago. And it kind of shows us in graphical form, it walks us through what happens when we die. So this first square that you see here, this is really representative of the physical world that we live in. And so when we're born into this world, we're children, we're innocent, we don't have any sin. Thanks to Jesus, we can be in what we call the kingdom of God. Okay, uh, protected, really nice. Everything is well, everything is fine. But unfortunately, because Adam brought sin into the world, we also have sin in this world, so we sin. And as we sin, we become part of another kingdom, a kingdom of darkness. Now this is unknown to our, us consciously or visually or materially. We cannot discern the difference between one and the other. As Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not something that you can say, here it is, or there it is. It's in your midst, 
but it is something very real. We might not be able to perceive it, but it is, it is a reality. In this physical life, we're either going to be in God's kingdom or in the kingdom of Satan. Now, it just so happens that without the gospel, most of us adults would have no hope because we would just belong to the kingdom of Satan because of sin. And so what happens then when people die in this condition? Well, if you're in the kingdom of God, if you're innocent, you've been declared justified and innocent. If you die, you go to be in paradise. I'm sorry for this got a bit jumbled up. Um, I tried really hard, but when you go from PC to Mac, you know, what can you do? And uh, if you're in the kingdom of Satan, then you end up in torment because you disobeyed God. You've embraced sin in your life. So there is no hope for you. You die without uh, God being your, your authority, without your having your faith in God, then you're gonna end up over here. So it seems that in this state, there is really no hope for us adults, but thank God that there's something called the gospel that was preached in order to help set us free and give us hope that as adults, even in sin, we can get back and be born again born again and into the kingdom of God, because that's how Jesus told Nicodemus, we can enter the kingdom of God as adults who have sinned. We have to be born again. So we get another chance to be in this kingdom of God and have the hope of ending up in paradise where the thief on the cross or Abraham with rich men and all these other people uh, currently are. Of course, there's always the possibility that you end up being a weed in the kingdom of God and fall away and get dragged back into the kingdom of Satan. That's what we need to watch out for, that it doesn't happen to you, that it doesn't happen to me. That's why in the church, we encourage one another. We exhort one another unto love and good deeds to make sure that we're not dragged back into that sin, into our old self. Because brothers and sisters, this is the reality here. This is a greater reality than this. This line here just means our physical death, our bodies end up in the grave, but our souls are gonna be in this place called Hades. And Hades has a paradise and it has a Tartarus divided by this great barrier. Okay, you're with me so far? So <laughs> don't worry, if you have any doubts or questions, you can text me and we can go over this uh, later on. The question is now, what happens at the end? This is where we are right now. This is the reality as it stands currently. Some people are here in this physical reality. Most people, most souls, I should say, are here in this other reality, okay? But the great reality hasn't occurred just yet. The great day of judgment hasn't happened yet. That's what we're all waiting for. That's what these people are waiting for right here. They're waiting for everything to be revealed at the end. So Revelation gives us a bit of insight as to what happens in the end. If we go to Revelations 20, verse 12 through 15, it gives us a description there of what happens on this great judgment day. It says, uh, John writing, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. 
The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. So basically, this is talking about a great resurrection day. And according to this passage and other passages in the scripture, we get a picture painted of these souls being reunited with their bodies that are in the grave or disintegrated or rotted or whatever. God is able to bring all that back up and there will be a great resurrection day for the purpose of this great judgment that will occur. Everybody will be raised from their dead. The righteous and the wicked, the believers and the unbelievers, every single person that has ever lived and all the souls that are in Hades will be raised again. Where is this going to take place? I don't know. The earth is kind of small. I don't know if everybody's going to fit on the earth. I don't know where it's going to happen, but the scriptures tell us that it will happen. And it may be a possibility that you might see people that died a long time ago. I don't know if there's, if we're going to get a chance to salute everybody or, or if we're going to be, you know, oh, you know stand up straight. because I don't know how it's all going to pan out, but it's going to happen. The scriptures, it's going to be a great surprise, but we can know some of these details. And some of the details too, as I read to you here, is that we are going to be judged according to what we have done. Everything that we have ever done, or we have ever said, as you've read Jesus has said, is recorded somewhere. Never mind our concerns here in this 21st century about the government recording us, uh, you know, through the videos or through the ring doorbells or, or through our telephones. It doesn't really matter because God is recording us. <laughs> He's the one that matters. Everything you have said, everything that you have done, the books are going to come out and we're going to face that judgment. I don't know how it's all going to unfold, but that's what the scriptures tell us. It's going to happen for this great judgment day, unlike any other time. It has never happened before, and we're all waiting for that. And so something else is going to happen after this, too. Revelation 20, verse uh, 15 says something very interesting. It says, after this judgment uh, occurs, and as people have been judged, then death and Hades are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And it says this lake of fire is the second death. So death itself and Hades, all of this, it tells us it's going to end up in the lake of fire. In other words, these were temporary things. It's not part of the eternity that God has planned they are also going to be done away with. And verse 15 says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about this second death today, the lake of fire. I'm going to have another lesson where that's all that we're going to be talking about because Jesus really gave us a whole lot more details about this second death, about this so-called lake of fire in the Gospels. He calls it a little different. He calls it Gehenna, or the Valley of Hinnom. And so we're going to discuss that a little more uh, in another place. <clears throat> what happens then after all is said and done, eternity takes place where 
it's really all about the New Jerusalem being with God. And yes, this is going to continue on into eternity. All those who had to be separated from God. It's, there is no annihilation. In other words, we can say, okay, you know, we get rid of that, cross it out, it ceases to exist. No, the scriptures teach us that the torment and the smoke from all the souls and everybody who's in the second death in the lake of fire will continue before God forever and ever. So this is continues on, but this is the great reality that God wants to bring us into. Jesus will say in John 28, 29, John 5, sorry, 28 and 29, he says, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice. And he's talking about this great resurrection day. They all shall come forth, he says in verse 29, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Acts chapter 24, verse 15, also we read here, Paul saying, I have the same hope of God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So everybody is going to be raised again. Everybody, in a sense, is going to get back an eternal body, an unperishable body, not just the righteous, not just who, those who've been justified in Christ will get to say, I have an eternal body. But those who are wicked will also be raised and get a body, but for the purpose of judgment, whereas those in Christ get it for the purpose of life, to live forever. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 elaborates greatly on the resurrection and some details that we learn there. He says, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And Paul kind of says, how foolish. What you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but just the seed. And I just love this analogy. I can relate to it. When you plant an orange tree, you don't plant an orange. You plant a seed. And the seed looks nothing like the fruit that is given at the end. So likewise, he says, we've been planted in this earthly body, this perishable body, he calls it. But this is not the true you. This is just the body that reflects our uh, earthly living here that is given to us so that we can move about and do God's will on this earth. But what is sown, he says, will be in power, will be immortal, will be something completely different, just like as a caterpillar is totally different than a butterfly. And yet it is the same animal, isn't it? But a caterpillar starts out and eventually turns into the butterfly. So God has given us a lot of really cool examples in nature for us to understand, well, not understand, but kind of get a visualization of what he's talking about here. So Paul says in verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, 
but it is raised in glory. This is what we're looking for. It is sown in weakness. Yeah, we feel that. But it is raised in power. That's what we're looking for. It's sown a natural body, but raised a spiritual body. Yeah, and then he comes, uh, continues to talk in verse 49 of the same chapter. Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness from the man of heaven. As we also read in the scriptures, we shall see Jesus as he is, for we shall be like him in this body raised in power. Jesus showed what that powerful body looks like. Uh, Peter, James, and John got a little glimpse of it on that mountain on that day when Jesus got transfigured. And John got to see what Jesus really looks like now when he spoke to him in the book of Revelation, when he wrote the book of Revelation. And we will get to see him as well in that same powerful body on that day when we are raised. If you like this podcast, please show your support by clicking on the support link on my Anchor FM profile. You will find the link listed in the description of the podcast on your favorite podcast app. With your support, I will continue to produce authentic Christian content as the Lord allows me to do. Paul says here, listen, I'll tell you a mystery. Well, it's no longer a mystery because we know it. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. He's saying not everybody is going to die because when Jesus comes back for this great judgment day, some people are still going to be living here. And if it just happens to be during our lifetime, we're not going to experience physical death. Our body in a, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, as the book of Revelation talks about, all of a sudden, you know, we'll be like, whoa, what happened here? All of a sudden, the, the aches, the pains, all of a sudden, I'll be like, throw the glasses away, right? Uh, my wife and Enoch will throw the implant away. And, uh, you know, if any of you have artificial knees, elbows, joints, hips, or you know, you won't need them anymore. You know, we will be changed and we will experience that awesome change. That's going to happen to those who have not slept yet or are still alive. If you happen to have died, you're going to have a really cool ride. The Bible talks about how when Jesus is on his way back, all the people who are in Hades and in Hades, in Hades will come back with Jesus. So we're going to somehow be put back into our bodies in that way. I don't know exactly how, but it gives us kind of a visual that they'll be coming on the tail coach of Jesus as he comes back to, to judge the earth. First John chapter three, verse two, he says, dear friends, we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know is that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Remember that no one can see God and live. But since we have been transformed by the time that happens, we will be able to see God and live. We shall be like him. Paul later says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, he says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ 
will rise first. So there is a succession here of who will be raised first. And after that, uh, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So it gives us a picture of us being uh, ascending uh, to meet Jesus in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Encourage each other with these words. These are great images and words that we should constantly have in our minds to battle this uh, virtual reality that we live in here, because this is not the ultimate reality. And yet oftentimes it gets us down and we get distracted with bills and phone calls and, and situations. We get dragged down. But just remember, we are encouraged when we are thinking about the reality that we're going to be partaking in. And so the Apostle Paul says, encourage each other with these words. Paul will also say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, starting in verse 2, he says, Meanwhile, while we're still here, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So he describes our current situation as being naked because this body is weak, because this body is dishonorable, because this body is mortal. And so it makes us feel weak, doesn't it? As we go about this life, but there will be a day when we will be clothed in power. And verse five, he says, it is God who made us for this very purpose and gave us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that reality that is to come. So that's why we have the Holy Spirit to not just to empower us while we're living here in this weakness, but also as a deposit, as a reminder, look, wow, this is real. Jesus is in heaven right now, and he sent us this spirit because there is another reality coming forward. So that's why he says here, we live by faith and not by sight. So this is the goal. This is the, our goal that we need to keep in mind that we're going to be living in the new Jerusalem. Here is another graphic uh, by the World Video Bible School on the same topic. I know it looks a lot better than the one I need. Um, uh, really nice, you can download that poster from their website. So who is in heaven right now? Is there somebody in heaven right now? Well, yes, there is. Acts 2, 32, verse 33. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see in here. That's Peter referring to the pouring out of the Spirit, which was a prophecy predicted by Joel, chapter 2. And so Peter, in his first gospel sermon, declares the fact that Jesus is in heaven right now and the fact that the Spirit is being poured out is testimony and evidence that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. And then we see here, in uh, uh, he quotes David saying, David did not ascend to heaven. So where is David then? Well, he's in paradise, but he's not in heaven. Two different places, don't get them confused. Paradise is the temporary place where everybody's being held. Only Jesus is in heaven. John 3, 13. No one has gone into heaven. No one except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. John 14, 3. Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I will come back to take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. That's Jesus' goal. He wants us to be where he is right now, which is in heaven, but that hasn't happened yet. That's what we're all waiting for in this earth. So where do we go when we die? Well, in the immediate situation, if you pass before Jesus comes again, you will be God willing, right? Our hope as a church is to be in paradise. And we wanna make sure that everyone that we know hears that message of the gospel. That's why the gospel is the message of first importance. That's what God wants everyone to hear. God doesn't want anyone to end up in Tartarus because the scriptures say he prepared that place for Satan and his angels. He didn't really prepare it for people. But if people don't wanna follow God, then they're gonna end up being where Satan and his angels are. That's just the reality there. And so we wanna live the kind of life Understanding the suffering that we bear right now, as I've shared with you before, letting that suffering uh, produce godly fear in us, a fear that wants to repent, that wants to change, that leads to peace and wisdom. Not this godlessness, not living in suffering and producing a, a, a fear of everything else, a fear of man or a fear of the unknown that leads to anger, bitterness and discontent. Because see, one kind of suffering can lead you to heaven, but the kind of suffering without being conscious of God or rebelling against God is the one that's going to lead you to hell. So we wanna make sure that it is God's wisdom that leads us to heaven. And that's why this gospel was preached. Jesus was shown to us, clearly portrayed, as Paul says, as crucified, as dying on the cross, as the payment for our sin. As my brother Mark said so eloquently, we are the Barabbas that got set free. We didn't deserve to be set free because we were murderers, adulterers, sinners of every single kind of thing, haters. And yet Jesus took our place. He justified us so that we wouldn't have to know what eternal torment is. He died in our place so that we would never have to know what it's like to be separated from God. And so this is the gospel that is not a myth, the historical, factual gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and was raised for our justification, as Romans 4.25 says. So how do I embrace this? How do I take this and make it my own so that I can be born again? Well, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that we need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God, to redeem that second chance that God gave us. And we do so by participating in this gospel, by dying to self, by understanding, wow, I am Barabbas. I don't deserve this. But understanding who I am now, I want to change. I want to mold myself after Christ. That's called repentance. That's called a change of mind, a change of heart that eventually produces a change of action. So if that's where you're at and you want to now become a Christian, you get baptized as Romans chapter six, verse three and four says, when we get baptized, we are buried into the death, into the burial of Jesus Christ. So that as Jesus was raised to newness, uh, to a new life, we are also raised in newness of life. And this is how one is born again now with the hope of paradise or heaven coming forward to us. The alternative, as we know, is not pretty. And we don't even wanna test what the alternative might be. We wanna make sure that any suffering is producing in us a fear of God right now 
so that we can have the hope of this eternal life that Jesus took for our behalf. So I pray right now and I ask uh, those of you who have not considered this yet, that maybe you're uh, still wavering. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure whether I should take this step. Uh, I can relate. You know, when I was uh, in that state of mind for some 33 years ago, it was a scary thing to take this step to trust God. But look at the alternative. What's the alternative? Trust yourself. Trust people, the world. I mean, you know where it's all going to end up. So might as well take that step and trust God who has done all these things specifically for you to help you believe, to help you come to him. So I pray that today you come forward and you decide, yes, I want to be born again. Come forward, you know, have a prayer with these uh, men who are up here. Present any other requests that you may have or uh, any other doubts that you may have. And for those of us who've already been born again, if there's something that some burden that you're feeling that you want to give to the Lord, please come forward and present your requests as we stand and sing the song of invitation. God bless you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at kingdom underscore saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.